0: Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello, my friends. In this week's episode, I am sharing an interview that I did with the amazing Lauren Bell, you have met Lauren on the podcast already, but this time she was interviewing me, so I'm sure that there will be lots of things that you can take away from Lauren and I's discussion about all things career, self-leadership, self-care, well-being and wealth. Enjoy and we look forward to hearing about what you gain from this episode.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Heart to Heart Conversations. I am really excited today. It's been a while since we've done one of these, and today I have the gorgeous Liam Caswell, who is high-performance nurse coach and leader himself. And he's—we're going to talk today about self-leadership and leading others. And so, I welcome you, Liam. Thank you for coming in to have this conversation.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Love your work. Love the group. Um, so it's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I would love to introduce you. So, and I'm going to ask you a few questions about it all <laughs> anyway. But, <laughs> so, Liam actually has an extensive nursing background. I'm going to let him tell us a bit more about that. And in 2020, he launched high performance nursing to help nurses sell their unique skill sets when applying for nursing roles from all the way from graduates to directors of nursing. And to date, Liam's empowered over 120 nurses to elevate their job applications, strategize their interview and reduce self-limiting career blocks so that they can become the best version of themselves. And he's also got a popular podcast, which I was on a few weeks ago and that was awesome fun, High Performance Nursing, where you can learn from global clinicians and explore how to diversify your career and work on your inner self. And Liam is extremely passionate about nurse empowerment, advocacy for the profession, and calling for a systemic change within the culture of healthcare. I can't agree with you more on that. So, mm. Mm. thank you, Liam. Thank you so much. So, tell us a little bit more about your background, and because I know you've worked around the globe, and I think that's always interesting as well. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for that introduction. It's so funny to hear somebody else introduce you, especially when you're a podcast host. So that was quite an experience, I'm <laughs> uh, feeling all the feels, feeling very proud. But yeah, I grew up in Scotland and I worked in the UK. I trained in the UK in the NHS and I took my first job just outside London. And I worked in medicine uh, for a few years and I moved into intensive care. And from there, I found my passion, like I loved intensive care, I loved being able to do the work and do it really, really well and look after those patients to the best of my abilities. I mean, go home feeling like I had achieved something rather than ward nursing where it was just chaos all the time. But since then, I moved to Australia. My partner's from Tamworth, so uh, country folks. And we um, we moved to Sydney and then Canberra. And whilst I've been here, I've had so many amazing opportunities. Uh, working in an agency, working as a clinical facilitator, working as a teacher at the universities. Um, marking, I'm sorry, students, if you're listening. Or watching uh, for your grades <laughs> and then I think it was 2019 I got the opportunity to go to Fiji uh, for about six weeks as an intern with a few NGOs across there and that was it was transformational really you know to be able to experience a healthcare system that I'm um, really really was struggling had such lack of resources, but such beautiful, you know, heart centered staff. Know, the were people are amazing. And motivated yeah. to do their best. That was yeah. an, almost an awakening for me to go, like, we ain't got nothing to worry about across here. And in the NHS, uh, we are, this is luxury. And that was just so rewarding working with people in the community. We'd go out like three, four hours out into the community and serve Fijian communities and, do public health education and talk about sex ed and all of the things. And, yeah, that was amazing. But, you know, my key passions in healthcare are around leadership and empowering nurses to be the optimal self and to thrive within their careers. And I know that we spoke about this on the podcast, but there's that fundamental gap, isn't there, around investment in clinicians and heart-centered carers, professionals, empaths, that I think we're all doing a fab job at trying to trying to fix and bring to light.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. The it's a bigger job out there than it is really. That's why our focus is very much on the self, which is why we call today self leadership. One thing I wanted to talk about too was that you do describe yourself as a multi passionate clinician mm. and. What do you mean by that? And I, because I just love the idea that yeah, we have more than one thing that we're passionate about, and that anything that brings us joy is something that we should be going after more in our life.
0: Mm. I was quite late to the multi-passionate party. I only recently, in the last few years, realised that that's kind of who I was at my core, and that came through a lot of burnout, a lot of trying to do one thing and do it really, really well, and really struggling. And feeling like it wasn't me. It wasn't aligned with me. I'm a big picture type of person. I don't like getting down into the nitty gritty too much. And I was finding myself having to really dive deep and do those things. And I came across um Liz Gilbert's book. She is one of my favorite authors. And I think it's Big Magic is the book. I'm not sure if you've read it. I've
1: got it. That's the one about being more creative. Is that right?
0: Oh, it is brilliant reads. I'm a highly advocate. You check it out because she talks about in that book about you kind know, of stepping into your creativity and just this idea of ideas coming to you and, and being magic. And then I watched her TED talk where she talked about hummingbirds and she talked about hummingbirds and jackhammers. And I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast. I think no. we might have. No. no. And she talks about kind of it's she says there are two people in the world. There's jackhammers and they go hard and they dive right in and they dig real deep. And then there's hummingbirds. And those hummingbirds are beautiful, creative souls, heart-centered professionals that, you know, just flutter around and they, you know, pick up the pollen as they move and they, you know, cross-pollinate. And I just loved that analogy because that just spoke to my soul. And I just went, that is me. Because yeah, through I'm my career, not I feel i
1: like done that too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely love that. I've had my finger in something. I've always said, you know, jack of all trades and a master of none.
0: Sort of yeah. Thing. And I used to, I, I had that story as well. And then I kind of got fed up of saying that because I felt like there was a negative undertone to it for yeah. me personally. And yeah. then I came across being a multi passionate and I, I just went, wow, this is it. Like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool to have multiple things and to be able to do them well, do them to a point where you're happy. And then move on,
1: and that's okay. The thing I love about that too is, you know, there's a big push at the moment, or or not a big push. There's a that's a, probably a pun in a way because it's moving away from the push, you know, where mm. we this pushing and striving to make things happen, and when you know, even when we're up against all odds, you know, sort of toiling it and going hard. And yet I'm a really big believer that if something's really obstructing you, you know, we can go around it. It's about going with the flow. You know, think about mm-hmm. water flows around things and keeps going. And that's when we're sort of more in our alignment. We can more follow our passions. And of course, when we're doing that, we can be more joyful, et cetera. So mm-hmm. yeah, beautiful. Yeah. You know, we'll love it. So tell me, you know, self leadership. What does that mean to you?
0: i uh, from my learnings as like a nurse unit manager, a leader in healthcare, I think it comes down to just, it comes down to the individual doing the work and establishing a good understanding of who they are at their core. And obviously we don't have that aha moment. It's a continual process, but I think that that self-leadership for me is about being able to understand who you are at your core, being able to coach yourself and manage yourself. And that self-coaching is super important. And realize where your strengths, your opportunities, you know, your lessons, like where all of those things lie and how you can use them to your advantage to build the life that you want to live intentionally. I think it's a beautiful place when you can do that and start on that journey. Just even take the step, just take the first step to unpack that for yourself so that you can create that life.
1: Yeah, I agree. There was a quote that I thought I pulled it up before it was self-leadership is actively developing a confident sense of who you are, taking ownership of what you do, and being intentional about where you're going. And they talk about it, you know, why that's so important as an employee, that's something that we should strive for. But I actually don't think it's just in our workplaces. You know, it doesn't matter whether we're working for ourselves, working for someone else, but it's our families, our relationships, it's everywhere in our life. And we take self-leadership to actually be responsible for what's going on, the choices that I make, is this good, is this not? And I think the self-reflection piece is such an important part of it as Mm -hmm. long as we can move into a place of doing it without judging ourselves, which is, of course, where we come from really we look for what's wrong and so that idea of starting to see your strengths and focus on them and build Mm -hmm. them know who you are through your strengths is so empowering and so validating Mm -hmm. when you start to see Ah, is that why i do things that way you know
0: yeah i think a big part of it that um, i didn't realize was a lot of unlearning a lot of you know it wasn't necessarily learning a lot of new things it was unlearning the social programming, everything that, you know, the stories that I've believed for the last X number of years, you know, that's what I needed to process. Yeah. And that's, I love asking people, like, what are you unlearning? Because I think it's a powerful question.
1: Yeah, you asked me that in the podcast and I was a bit stumped. And I'd like you to explain it again because to me, when you first start talking about that, that's a bit like, the unmasking of like we think we're all these people or we wear all these masks in life to fit in and to, you know, go with the rules of that particular place. But actually sometimes we're really censoring who we are and that's actually really heartbreaking when we're not being true to ourselves and not being able to express ourselves sort of confidently or powerfully or, you know, and even when it's with respect, I'm not talking about it overrunning other people, but when we're really fitting into others' beliefs about the way we should be, it's heartbreaking.
0: In that place that you can't find yourself. You can't find yourself when you're living your life through other people's values and perceptions and projections and their egos and their trauma, you know, and you're making that your own. So I think what you said earlier, you know, before we jumped on, was That 100% responsibility, I think, is a game changer. I think when you realize that no one's coming, no one's coming to pull you out of it, and you have to do it yourself, and that you are strong enough to do it yourself, that's, I think, when the shift starts to happen.
1: Actually, that's exactly right. It's when we get to that point of like, is this all there is, or is this what I'm meant to be? putting up with or whatever it is whatever the thing is which and it can often be you know disease or divorce or a death of someone or you know some problem that happens in our workplace or in our money or and it doesn't really matter but to that point where we go you know what i don't want this anymore there has to be some other way Mm -hmm. and It's funny, I've just written a blog post, which I haven't even um, promoted it yet, but it's basically about how do we learn who we are. And so, I mean, looking back on my list that I wrote in my blog of things like I've done, one of the best ones was Gallup Strengths, but I've also done Enneagrams and, you know, of course, Astrology and Numerology, and some of them are psychologically based and others are more like those types of things. But all of them in some ways have helped me to go, ah, that's why I do what I do and give me probably more permission to just say, okay, I get it. That's really good. So what things have mm-hmm. you used to help you to understand who you are and what are your values and your strengths?
0: Yeah, that's a fab question. I love that. For me, coaching has been transformational. Uh, coaching has changed my life 100%. And I, my first coach, Said, so let's do a disc profile and let's you know, work through your disc. And all I can remember about that is that it changed my whole perception of what I love doing because I was on this path of like, I'm, I had a vision for my career that I wanted to be, you know, a leader, a director of nursing. I really wanted to have that ability to positively influence the system. Now, when I did my disc, it was like, Oh my goodness. I am so out of alignment.
1: And
0: what are you? Are you an IS? No, I'm a D. I think I'm a D, a DI or something. Oh, my God, it's terrible. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was less about, like, you know, obviously no one likes confrontation. But I had this real pull away from the confrontation. And in my personal life, it was very creative. Like, that was my core value. And I thought to myself, well, how am I introducing creativity into being a nurse unit manager? (laughs) And you can't really be that creative in that kind of role. It's pretty stock standard policy procedure rosters, you know, budgets. So I got creative doing like quality boards and how I ran meetings and you know, pushing the norms of what a num would do, but it just wasn't enough. You know, it just wasn't enough for me. So this was transformational. I've also done a lot of the psychology work, unpacking lots of things, unlearning and recognising that there's lots of amazing different parts of me. <laughs> yeah. And they all serve a purpose, you know. I have a very, very strong critic. <laughs> and I think a lot of healthcare professionals, you know, would potentially have that critic or that unrelenting standard and the self-sacrifice to always give, 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 give. And yeah. uh, that was hard to work through. That was really challenging to work through and recognise that that's what I was doing. When I wasn't taking my break, (laughs) work a 12 hour day. I'm not going to take my break because the patients need me. You know, that was my go to line. And I'm thinking, no, now I look at that and I say, that's a boundaries issue. You know, I'm so much more aware of that and I'm super grateful.
1: Yeah. And the truth is we are so much better when we take our break because we come back a bit more refreshed. And, you know, I get to a point where I, can't think clearly you know it's like it's it's not so much a hangry but it's certainly i can get to a point where i almost want to cry <laughs> yeah. and you know if it's gone on too long without a break proper break and i can't think clearly and everything just takes you so much longer so it's just not effective go and have your 10-15 minutes and come mm-hmm. back feeling refreshed and you know just giving yourself that sort of space so i think it's yeah. really
0: important i remember yeah. as a nurse unit manager. I'm saying to people, know, it's 10 o'clock, go for your morning tea. Like, I'll cover you, go. Like, it's so important. And everybody, there's objections left, right, and said, no, I can't, I can't, can't, I know you're going, <laughs> go. And yeah. it's just fascinating, isn't it? We really need to have a shift in healthcare in that space, especially because none of our colleagues do, always, and no one does not
1: Yeah, that's one of the areas that I think, you know, self-leadership, it's sort of that lead by example. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it is doing the things that you might not always find easy. It's easy to fit in with the norm and the culture and everything. But, if you know, a lot of the time people are feeling really unhappy inside about that, you know, and you hear it in the change rooms or the tea room or whatever, this idea of like, you know, I'm just doing so much and I don't feel appreciated for it. And yet it's really up to us to say, no, enough is enough, you know. And so when it comes to leading others, how does being a good self-leader, which I think, we, as we've said, we need to be a self-leader in all parts of our life. So how Mm -hmm. does that transpose when we start needing to lead others as well?
0: Yeah, I think it's the crucial first step. We've all had leaders that are not self-aware. We've all had leaders that are not, you know, they don't have a, a raised sense of their consciousness. And it's reflected in the work. So I think that the benefits of doing that work, you know, includes just being open and curious, being able to lead authentically, you know, being, Brene Brown says it best, you know, being a learner, not a knower. And that stands out a lot for me because often when we move up that chain and we have been senior clinicians and we move into a leadership role, all of a sudden, we've lost all of the leadership, uh, all of the clinical stuff, right? Like we no longer need the clinical skills. We've got a completely different skill set and we're not trained for that. Um, So add that on top of the fact that you're not our self-aware leader and you've got a recipe for burnout. And it's not going to be long before you've got cultural issues and that you're struggling, you're hitting your life, you're hitting your job, and you're probably bringing that home to your family as well. So I think super important to get that first step nailed or at least start taking the action. And then from there, you can step into it and just learn as you go and recognize that you don't need to have all the answers.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. It doesn't matter where you are in um, any part of your career and even not in nursing, really. But it's that whole idea we start out and we are. Beginners, and yet we're so busy trying to prove that we know everything, and yet that's actually a dangerous place. Whereas, really, our whole life we're continually learning. We can always, you know, if you're not learning really in lots of ways, you're not growing. And if you're not mm. growing, at least that's what Tony Robbins says. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think for me, learning is a high value and so I think growth and contribution has been high values in my life um, but understanding you know how it all sort of fits in so that was mm-hmm. another that was Tony Robbins six human needs you know what what are your highest two highest needs and we all have six human needs that's the point that there are six but they'll come in different orders and so just mm-hmm. understanding that about yourself too I think anything that we can learn and understand about ourselves because not only our values, etc. it just gives us that ability to start being the witness so that when we are leading others, we can see, well, what's actually going on with me while I'm interacting with this other person and, and seeing them perhaps being reactive and then sort of mm-hmm. knowing rather than just all escalating and blowing out, sort of having a, a higher perspective that you can oversee as well and understand why you might be feeling a bit triggered or Yeah, a buttons pushed or something, but without actually needing to act on it, but perhaps to look at it later on and go, okay, I didn't feel that great when Liam said that to me earlier, Mm. you know, behind that sort of thing. And Mm. if it was something that I needed to pull up with you later on, well, that could be okay when I've now sorted out some of my emotions and things like that as well.
0: Mm. I think there's so many things in there. I think when you become a self-aware leader, you create a psychologically safe working environment. And with that, then comes lots of rewards. It's definitely worth the work because then you have a higher performing team. You have a stronger, of it doesn't just come, of course, you have to work at it. But you're open to it because you're not a knower, you're a learner. So if somebody challenges you, you're not going to have that, as Brene would say, chick, 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 armor comes on. And all of a sudden, you are in fight or flight and you're ready to go (laughs) and bark at somebody. You're just curious. And you come from a place of wanting to learn more. I think that's a super important point. But as a nurse unit manager, what I often see, what I experienced as a team leader, any kind of leader anywhere, is that we want to have that awareness, that watch, being able to watch, like you say, watch what we're thinking, watch how we're reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, because often what we do, what keeps us up at night, is actually thinking about how we can change other people. Like, oh, I've got that staff member who's a problem. Oh, I've got to have a chat to them tomorrow for them to change the behaviour. Like when we realise that we can't change the behaviour, like that's when we're going to start having better performance discussions, you know, supporting staff in a more kind of holistic way, rather than the shame, blame, guilt culture that we currently have.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just, it's devastating really, this shame, blame, guilt culture. But mm-hmm. that's why that going all the way back to what you said at the beginning, this piece about taking responsibility because I can always take some sort of responsibility and then have a look at that. So when I do take some responsibility, even when someone else isn't perhaps behaving in a way that I would like, well then I'm no longer being victim to their to whatever they're doing, I can actually sort of step myself up and feel more empowered. So it's not always easy to do but it's there's three different ways that I look at how to take responsibility and you can just choose one of them. And even if it's just always believing that everything's working out perfectly at some level for you, that can help to position you so that then you can see the opportunities that arise later because of what actually went on. and. You know, my story through burnout is one of those things too, because unfortunately I did all the self-awareness and knowing myself after the burnout. and so burnout for me was the catalyst to allow yeah. that to happen. But then yeah. I could then take on responsibility and change my life into a whole lot, you know, into a way that I just love. So
0: yeah, yeah, likewise. I think what comes to mind is the, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. And I know we can know lots of people preach that in healthcare a lot, but it it does stick out for me because ultimately, if you're in a position of leadership, which by the way is everybody, uh, everybody is a leader, to know that you need to be to know, having those conversations with people. If you see something that's not right and um, that puts patients at harm, puts yourself at harm, puts your peers at harm, if you let it go that one time, it will just snowball. Uh, it will just snowball. There's ways around it, and of course, you're always going to fear. And that conversation, you're going to fear what's going to happen and we're going to, you know, build that up and go to that place whereby we're so worried about. It. I did that so many times. And I learned, I heard something this week about fear, an acronym that I loved, which was, Oh my God, fear is a fantasized experience that appears real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: you know, like when you look at it like that, like, is this true? Is the story that I'm telling myself right now true? Yes or yeah. no? Black or white, is it true is it not true? <laughs>
1: yeah, and from well, there,
0: you can inform choice.
1: And usually it's the meaning that we're making of it and it's not necessarily true. And it came from Brene too. One time I remember her, it's a little bit off topic, but more about how we make the meaning of things. And she'd had a meeting with Oprah. She'd met Oprah and done a podcast or something and it was fantastic. It was the first time that she'd ever done it and she just thought it was amazing, loved her, loved everything about it and was walking down the hallway and came past Oprah who, oh, well, actually she tells it as a story. Have you heard this one? Oprah it's then sort of, you know, grimaces and looks away. So Brene takes it all on board and says, oh, my God, she hates me. She hated the interview and all of that. And then when they discussed it, like this isn't really true, but she was just giving an example. But she said, you know, what had actually happened was Oprah was walking down, stepped and hurt her knee, so she grimaced, you know. that <laughs> is like about to throw in the towel, it's not worth it all. And I think we do this sort of thing all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So, and that was what I was going to say too before, you know, if you're with someone else and things aren't going very well, they're in a way, a, and we can't change them, but in a way they're that reflection of us, like what's going on for us. So I think there is always an aspect within us that, If we're judging that about them, that there's a part in us that we're not actually accepting and so Mm -hmm. we start to see that then we can embrace that we have all these things. We are human beings. Mm -hmm. There was a post in the nurses' bullying page this morning that was something rather about, you know, as soon as you start putting up your boundaries, those people that, you know, are trying to step over your boundaries they'll start saying that you're difficult, crazy, and I can't remember what the other one was. And I thought, and so I wrote a post back to saying, I absolutely own my difficult, um, mm. crazy, you know, that person because really they can't tell me, you know, in those types of ways. And I think when we own ourselves, when we have that confidence, when we know that it's within our right and that we deserve to be treated well, then... It's just like a no, so yeah, it
0: yeah. right yeah, it's that whole thing of, like, what other people have to say about me is none of my business.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you keep that. Thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Actually, that's so true. That pulled me off the other day because, you know, I got a glowing compliment from somebody and that was great. I took all that on board and then something happened that, response didn't work out quite as well as I'd hoped it had and so suddenly I was like downing myself and then I remembered back to that like whatever people say about me is not important I should take Mm. none of it on board really that's part of the four agreements and I think it's so true Mm. it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad it's like me knowing me is the most important thing and not yeah, being derailed. And I liked what you said earlier, too, that, you know, we are all leaders, by the way. And I think anyone who's a caring professional, particularly, and they're looking after others as well, is more of a leader than they actually accept or realise, perhaps, unless they're really on that already.
0: Mm. Yeah, Jenna, we don't necessarily need to be leading a team to be defined as a leader. You lead your patients every day. You know, you lead your four to six patients and and they look to you for guidance and support and safety and trust, and it's the same thing, right, just on a bit of a higher scale. The same principles apply.
1: Yeah, and if you think, you know, I believe, I'm not quite sure what the latest polls are, but usually nurses are, you know, one of the highest sort of trusted professions, well, then Mm -hmm. people look to you. Well, what's she doing, you know, or he doing? What's the guidance, you know? In a sort of a subtle sort of a way that necessarily we might not be sort of broadcasting, but really just once again, this leading by example.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting because we have that like global title of being the most trusted profession. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty in the workforce, we have this discord, you know, whereby as a culture, we, like I said earlier, we're clinicians, we're great clinicians. No one teaches us how to be an educator, a numb an aide-on-a-don, an exec, no one teaches us that. So we have to go out and find that. And often it's not in the hospital. I could count on probably one finger (laughs) to how many people in the hospital setting have actually provided some form of training and mentorship and coaching around leadership confidently because it's a huge, huge gap. We think that because you're a great clinician, you'll make a great leader.
1: And that's not always the case. No, it isn't. So that is a great segue into what you're offering, Liam. So you've got a new a new offering out. So tell us a bit more about that.
0: Yeah, I'm super excited. So I've done a lot of work in the last year around careers and getting people into jobs and and roles and worked with about 120 nurses. But I'm now shifting into a bit of a mix, but career and leadership. So as you might be able to tell, I am super passionate about leadership and helping clinicians fill the gap. As they move up the chain so that they don't, it's kind of like a preventative measure. So they don't become burnt out, so that they have a real sense of who they are, so that they can pick up if they're a multi-passionate or a jackhammer or a hummingbird and do their DISC profile. So I'm working through that over a 12-week program, which I'm launching in the next few weeks. I'm super excited about it because I feel like the transformations lie. You know, within it's not necessarily about the how. How do you do all of this? It's about getting to know yourself a bit better and understanding the power that you have to be able to manage any situation. Because time after time after time, I all the clients that come to me, all the nurses that I coach, have these you know self-imposed career blocks, leadership blocks, life blocks, which I'm sure you're super familiar with, Lauren. That hold yeah. people back from achieving their full potential. So. My um, goal is to work with them one on for 12 weeks to help them move from clinician to leadership with ease and confidence.
1: Yeah, beautiful. I love that. That's yeah. great. So, well, and so people can contact you, direct message, if they're interested in finding out more, or it's Liam Caswell at High Performance Nurses is it? At-
0: you can uh, Facebook, uh, by performance nursing, oh, my God, there's so many of the different ones, isn't there? Um, or you can email me, liamgcaswell at gmail.com.
1: We can pop some comments into That's once cool. this is all finished. Unfortunately, I can't access comments from here. We have got a comment, though. Someone's. Oh, there's been a few. That's Sorry, crazy. I missed all these. This <laughs> is a problem. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have had someone. Oh, thank you. Um, we've had someone commenting that's been their experience. Unfortunately, I don't know what that was now, although not that long yeah. ago. But yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining in and watching. And, um, yeah, so if you would like to know more about Liam, certainly get in contact with him. Oh, and we haven't even announced, or not announced, oh, but we've got to know Yeah. <laughs> We've got our burnout seminar coming up too, which is in not until November. And I'm so pleased and so excited to say it's definitely going ahead. We've already sold about 20 tickets. So, um, I'm imagining that it's going to be a lot more than that, but that's so awesome. So I'm really grateful that we're partnering with Health Times who are helping us to get the word out to people. And it's all about burnout and self compassion and finding your strengths and just really being able to be more empowered rather than sort of struggling in this industry that's really hard, really hard work and hard particularly at the moment but always hard. I mean, I think that's the point. It's these days that we're going through at the moment are just really extenuating, what's the word, Mm -hmm. extenuating. (laughs) exacerbating (laughs) exacerbating the problems that are actually within our work and so both of us are really interested in empowering people from self-first to be able to make changes in the healthcare because to me I don't think it's a job that can really be done from outside in or top down approach I think we have to come at it from bottom up and start demanding and commanding that we be treated really well and appropriately and also recognised for the value that we bring and that doesn't mean that we matter ourselves in the process
0: I love that yeah I couldn't say it any better than that it's this uh, event it's, it's going to be fab the burnout event and I'm super grateful to be part of it I'm so excited uh, to dive yeah. into self-leadership and, and exploring all the things with everybody that's coming along
1: yeah fantastic I am um, yeah, so we've got five speakers and Liam's oh, lost it, um, Liam's <laughs> one of them. But, yeah, and one of them's a doctor who's really her passion is burnout and helping clinicians, particularly in healthcare, and she's from Canada. So we've got an mm-hmm. international cast. You and main are in Australia but from Scotland originally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Eileen from Canada and then Dr. Robin and. And Marina is talking as well on self-compassion and she's been doing some work with self-compassionate workplaces, doing her master's through Stanford Mm -hmm. University as part of her sabbatical. So, yeah, just amazing. We've got some amazing talks lined up. So I'll put all the links to everything in there, but I'm so looking forward to that day and working with you again, Liam. So Mm. thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you for the opportunity. It's been fabulous. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone. So, yeah, really just take that on board. Leadership starts with self. And when you can, you know, really get into that, learn the tools and things like that, you really can change your life. You really are the creator of your life and that is possible for you. And if you'd like to know more about sort of up-leveling your leadership in your high-performance nursing, then get in touch with Liam as well. So. Thank
0: you. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.